What's up, streamers? Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. If you've heard any advice by myself or any other educator where we have told you to diversify your content, let me just reiterate this. It is very important. And diversifying your content is really important because imagine let's, you know, hope that this never happens, but imagine someday Twitch decides that they can't keep the business going anymore and they can't keep the the community going anymore. And so they have to, um, they have to stop. Or if another business or streaming platform comes in and completely takes over what Twitch has been doing and Twitch just kind of dies. And this seems a little far-fetched, but when you consider uh, it happened to MySpace, it happened to Vine, it's kind of happened to Snapchat a little bit, although we're kind of in the season of the great Snapchat revival, this is not uncommon. And it's very scary, especially if you plan on being a, a full-time creator and making a living off of websites like this. So it's incredibly important that you don't just put all of your eggs in one basket for this reason. You want to have a presence on multiple platforms and you want to have a great social media presence, maybe have a podcast, maybe have a YouTube, just in case these things or one of these things goes down, doesn't all of a sudden mean that you can't pay your bills or you can't reach your audience. And there are a lot of different ways that you can diversify, but the one that we want to talk about today is YouTube. I have seen a lot of creators, and I'm sure, I mean, maybe you're one yourself, that people have been talking about starting their YouTube channels in, in the new year, and just recently there's been a lot of conversation surrounding this. So... I highly, highly recommend you get on YouTube. However, just posting clip videos and using it as like a, a footage dump for your stream isn't the best way to try and grow your channel. Some content is better than no content, of course, but I do think that whenever you build YouTube with the intention of building your YouTube empire, that things will really change for you. And you can see a lot of growth, not only on your YouTube, but also for your stream as well. So today we're going to be talking to an actual YouTube certified expert. YouTube has actually taken groups of people and trained them up and taught them all of the things that they need to know to be able to grow successful YouTube channels. And these handful of people are called YouTube certified experts. We're speaking one today. <laughs> We're speaking with one today who's the owner of the Video Creators YouTube channel. They have over 400,000 subscribers. He's got a decade of experience helping creators spread their messages. And not only does he do the YouTube side of things, but he's also got a great business. He's able to sustain himself and his entire family family and the people that works for him through everything that he's doing. So let's jump into the interview. I hope that you love it. I think you're going to learn a lot. This is very mind-blowing information today. Okay, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. With us today, we have, I'm going to be talking for like a full minute here because this is just an amazing list of accomplishments, but YouTube certified oh, no. expert. <laughs> he posted the first YouTube training videos in 2011. Uh, owner of Video Creators, which has been featured on Forbes, Fox, 
BBC and YouTube itself. He's also an entrepreneur. He has courses and boot camps and ebooks. And all of this is with the core message of helping you learn how to create YouTube content, good YouTube videos that reaches people and changes their lives. This was also the number one, like most helpful YouTube channel for me for learning how to grow my channel. And I'm really, really excited today to introduce you all to Tim Schmoyer. How's it going, Tim? Hey, thanks for having me. Going well. How are you? Good. I'm really excited, like I said, to have you on today because you've been absolutely instrumental in my own YouTube growth. Like you've taught me so much. I've watched all of your videos. I've listened to all of your podcasts and I'm just really grateful to have you on talking with us. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. So obviously we're going to stick with your theme today. Something that I've noticed a lot, and this was the reason that we actually connected, is that a lot of the Twitch community is looking at getting into YouTube right now. So myself and a few other people like there's a YouTube channel called Wild for Games. There's a YouTube channel called Gaming Careers, Alpha Gaming. And we have been creating these like Twitch advice videos and we're starting to see a lot of people come from YouTube over into our streams, which has helped us grow our communities and get partnered and make some really great moves on Twitch. So we're going to get into how people can utilize YouTube to grow their streams and grow their communities. Um, first off, let's just talk about the differences between the two platforms. So Twitch, the content obviously is expected to be live for many hours at a time, multiple times a week, and you're expected to be entertaining that entire time. And a lot of it is gaming content, although some people do things differently. But YouTube is a little bit different. You're really expected to be live consistently. What do you feel like YouTube is like in comparison to Twitch, just from a creator perspective? Yeah, I mean, they are, um, if I was like a twist, like the main thing going on here is like engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's entertaining too, but but it's like more of like, um, I don't want to say relational connection, but uh, but it's all about the chat. It's all about the community. It's all about, you know, the people you feel like you're hanging out with during that stream. On YouTube, That that's a part of it, but it's also this part of where it's like, um, I just want to veg out and relax and watch some fun videos too. Like I don't really care about the people, right? You know, who are on video, and so it, there's more of like a laid back type of relax. I just want to have fun or want to learn, watch something that I'm just going to teach me something as well. So I don't know. It probably seems like one of the biggest differences to me. Um, I'm not. I, I, I don't. I don't stream on Twitch very often, and when I do, I delete them because they look pretty bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I do stream every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on my on my video creators channel, though. And uh, the best part about that is the interaction and the engagement, and the answering questions, and like you, like getting to know the people who are here in your chat and the people who are coming back and get to know their stories a little bit. And I understand like who's from where and what their channels are about, and you just start kind of growing some you know, relationships with some people. And I think that's like the real power of the, of the live type of community here on Twitch and on YouTube. Yeah. And I feel like both of those different 
both of those platforms serve different purposes, right? So Twitch is really great for that engagement and interaction and, and building that really deep community sense. But YouTube is really great at serving people value and at answering questions and uh, entertaining them as well and, and allowing them to veg out a little bit more, whereas Twitch might be more active watching as opposed to passive watching. Uh, what do you yeah. feel like are the differences between the creation side of things do you feel like one is is more taxing than the other or not necessarily i think you know if you're streaming oh i think i lost you for a second there i think you're streaming it's um like it's all real time right there's no editing if you pick your nose you can't unpick your nose if you you know if you make a bad joke you can't cut it out you know it's just it's just all here and raw in real time but it's not necessarily something that that a lot of people will come back and watch over and over and over again necessarily the more produced type of stuff is you know i think on happens more likely to be on youtube i mean you can have produced stuff on twitch obviously but it's you know the uh when you're gonna like create something plan it out ahead of time shoot it in an intentional order take time to set up each angle that you need and then cut it together in a really quick fashion that's you know i think that's what you go to youtube for is that more produced stuff yeah and that's a good point too that youtube is rewatchable. that's a a big struggle that i think twitch has is that the live content is really only valuable while it's live so we don't have a, a ton of leeway to just like stream for eight hours and then have people watch the exact same stream the next day and and have the same turnout from our communities because that right. those moments really only happened while they were live and now you can't have that conversation anymore and you can't be there and receive answers so i feel like that's a huge benefit to youtube is i almost compare it to business cards where you're creating all these videos and you're throwing them out into the atmosphere and you can use them as a way to really do anything like you can sell things you can bring people back to your stream you can have people watch more videos and have them subscribe uh there's a lot a lot of potential for the platform and i think i don't know why every single streamer doesn't have a youtube channel i think they go hand in hand so let's well, start. So, what would be the advantage of streaming on Twitch mm -hmm. over just like building everything on YouTube mm -hmm. and streaming there as well? I'm, yeah. getting, I'm sure you get a lot, but um, I'll 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 lob that one to you. Yeah, I do get that one a lot. So, I think I think it depends. Um, Angry Joe Show, for example, he tried to stream over on Twitch and then he tried to stream over on YouTube, and his YouTube live streams just were so much better than his Twitch streams. And obviously it's because he's got such a massive audience on YouTube already that people are already watching his videos and they're able to see that he's live and it's just more seamless that way. People aren't having to jump onto an additional platform to see his schedule, to see when he's going to be live streaming and all of that. Um, but I think that Twitch also has a different expectation as far as community and engagement and everything else goes. I think the community over here is a lot more developed than the YouTube live streaming community. There's, there are a lot of people 
There's a lot of different streamers. There's a lot of opportunity to work with people in different ways. And I feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know a ton about the YouTube live streaming community, but I feel like the Twitch community is supportive in a way that I haven't seen before. I have not seen the level of love and just people will gift subs, which are, you know, it's like a channel memberships, right? So people mm -hmm. will give subscriptions to channels, people will uh, tip, there's bits, there's just so many different monetization forms and so many other ways that people can support too. I feel like the Twitch community is one of the most supportive places. Yeah, I kind of hoping that one day YouTube um, will allow you to gift a sub to on YouTube to anyone who is a YouTube Red subscriber, and so or now it's YouTube Premium. Sorry, but like if you pay the you know the nine ninety whatever nine ninety five or nine a month. Oh, like, that would oh, be like so they, smart. They should. They should. But I don't think there's enough margin in that ten bucks a month to <laughs> uh, with everything else that covers to make it. I think they'd have to increase the price personally. But yeah. Um, because 55% of that already goes to creators based on the content they watch. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, that would almost be similar to our Amazon prime. Right. Yeah. Thing. Ah, oh, that would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about uh, being a streamer who's looking at getting onto to YouTube. The very first thing in the very beginning, obviously, is creating your channel page. Uh, you've got channel art, your profile picture, then you want to think about your thumbnails and your titles. And this is really the macro version of what does everything look like and what does the brand look like when someone comes to your YouTube channel. So what do you feel like are some of the most important things that we need to keep in mind when setting up our, our YouTube channels? Yeah, I, this is a <laughs> potentially a really long like topic just right here because there's so much that goes into this but on like let's keep maybe like surface level is um i actually before starting with that question i usually back up once and be like all right first of all we have to create a brand that um people clearly understand what it's all about uh, the, the, the thing that's going, yes, I know. I hear you talk about this too. The, uh, the thing that a lot of people miss is they think it's all about like, and probably here on Twitch too, it's like, what, where are the features? What are the buttons and the check boxes I need to check in order to make my channel grow? You know, like how do I use this feature versus that feature or whatever? And you're like, okay, hold on, hold on. Like, first of all, we have to get people to care. Right. The, the features don't actually help you grow. I mean, there's like if no one's watching your videos in the first place, who cares about how you're using end screens or interactive cards or whatever. Right. So um, I, I think that like the two basic foundations are we, we first need to determine who exactly is my target audience and knowing that person really intimately, even getting it down to like a person like who's like it's going to be Twitch Tiffany. I don't know. I was making this up <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, and Twitch Tiffany, you, you know, her whole story and you, and not just who she is like age demographic, but you know, like why she loves Twitch and what she wants to get out of it and what her main objective is. And like, you just know everything about her. And then the second question you need to answer in terms of branding is not only who is this person, but why should they care? So you got the who, and then the, and in terms of business language, 
deliver to someone through my target audience uh, or to my target audience, what value do, are, are they looking to consume from me? So, um, you still got me? Yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we derped for a second there, but we're back. I don't know if you want me to keep going. Or yeah, just, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, once you have like your target audience and your value proposition defined, then you, then you gotta be like, how do we clearly communicate that to people? And this is when you start using tools like on YouTube, like your channel art and your channel trailer and things. Cause like just using them for the sake of like using them doesn't help you on YouTube. People only give you a few seconds to communicate like, who are you and why should I care? And if you can't do that in a few seconds, like it's gonna be really hard to grow. Any any sort of confusion, brain confusion, is, is makes it really difficult. Um, so if you ta- think of like the top channels on YouTube, and uh, I'm not sure how familiar your people are with YouTube stuff, but like um, a pretty popular one is, is Logan Paul. Do you know who he is? Oh on yeah. YouTube? Okay. So Logan Paul's brand, like, what is his brand all about? Was he all says it? Many times in every video. Have you seen any of his stuff? Yeah, it's uh, Be a Maverick, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's like this creed in terms of primal branding, um, this belief that everything revolves around. Like this is about like be a maverick, pave your own way, you know, and that. And so when he sells merch, it's always it's not like his face on a T-shirt. It's like people are buying that message. They want to be a part of that, of like what it's. We want that to represent them. And so you quickly, all this content and his videos like revolve around this, this brand. And so it's very clear, very quickly what he's all about. And so their channel art, when people look at that, can they, can someone in your target audience quickly just glance at that in a second and see the visual and any text and just be like, Oh, I get it. Like this is for me or like, yeah, I get it. Not for me. Um, and then the channel trailer and the sections below it and all that kind of stuff is all, it all needs to be designed in a way to communicate who you are, what you're all about to someone who should, who should care about what. Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of streamers who might take that advice and come over to YouTube and then this, their channel becomes like, this is the home of Ashney Christ. So I'm able to just film whatever videos I want. I do makeup tutorials. I do a little bit of gaming. I do a little bit of uh, cooking videos, exercise videos, and it just becomes anything that I, I want it to be. It becomes very variety. Do you feel like it's problematic when channels are just too variety like that? Yeah. Um, n- no. Well, yes. Like, Yes and no. <laughs> so the, the the yes part is if it's completely random, then yes, that's a problem. So if someone doesn't know what they're signing up for and they're like, oh, now I got a yoga video and now I have a music video and now why are they playing Fortnite, right? It's like the, all, that's too random and it's confusing and people, they, they don't know what they're getting this set up, set up for. However, there's this other side of you can do all those three seemingly random things if there's a clear brand that communicates the through line of why all these things matter to someone in my target audience. So let's say um, your channel is a high, a high relational channel, a high relational value. So people like in PewDiePie's case, like even like they don't care what you're doing as long as you make them feel like you're ha- they're hanging out with their best friend. So if you're doing yoga, if, if you make them feel like they're hanging out with their best friend, great. If you're doing Fortnite or you're doing, what was the other example I used? Uh, oh my God, I uh, forgot it already too. <laughs> I forget, yeah, but it doesn't, 
It could see, be seemingly random in terms of what you're doing as long as the why is consistent. So uh, if I subscribe, whatever I subscribe for, that value proposition, that's what you need to deliver on. Uh, and you can do that however you want. So um, if it's a relational value, you have a lot of flexibility. I think that the strongest brands uh, and channels actually revolve around a belief like be a maverick because the strongest communities online and offline, they don't actually revolve around uh, common interests. They revolve around shared beliefs. And when someone like not only understands what you do, but they understand why you do it also, that's what starts like the why, the what just kind of keeps it at a cognitive level. Like, okay, I get it. But when you start saying the why that forces it kind of go on like a heart emotional level. And that's what starts building like that human connection with someone. And, uh, Let's them really start like feeling like, oh, I understand it. And I like this person too. Right? That's what's going to start getting them to come back. Not just understanding like, hey, subscribe to my channel because I play Fortnite videos. Like, yeah, yeah you and a million other people. Right, <laughs> so exactly. What? That's a huge problem with gaming YouTube is that there's so, so much of it. There are so many gaming videos. Like, how do you, how do you stand out among all of that? That's wild. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, well... The- the way you stand out is by telling people what you do and why you do it and following and, and forming that belief. Yeah. And as you talked about last week with Patrick Hanlon and that creed, I didn't listen to it, but I'm, I'm assuming you talked about it. The creed is really important uh, as, as I, all the other aspects are, but you know, like I teach you to master YouTube and if, and for some people it's master YouTube, that's the what, and the why is master YouTube feel more popular, master YouTube, make more money. Right. But for me, um, it's master YouTube, reach people and change their lives. And I think popularity and money are great, but I don't see them as like the end goal. I think like if money and popularity is your end goal, it could actually ruin your life. And it has ruined many people's lives. But if you see money and popularity as a tool to reach people and change their lives, then the more popularity money you have, the more effect, the more influence you have, the more opportunity you have, the greater your reach to, to impact people. And so if my goal is to grow the biggest YouTube educational channel, I would make it about money and popularity. But um, the people I end up working with are the people who tend to have more of like a mission behind what they're doing because they're actually, they, they want to make money and, and grow a channel, but they're bigger, they have this bigger mission than money or popularity. And, uh, and so I tend to attract those people because that's the belief I state in every single video and make it very clear. That's what my brand is about. And those people who resonate with that brand tend to be the people that become clients and we work with and help them grow and all that kind of stuff. So the way you position the main point of all this is the way you position yourself is very important for setting an expectation with a certain audience that communicates why they should keep watching what you and I'm sure all those principles translate to Twitch because those are kind of like branding principles more so than like a platform principle. Yeah, they definitely do translate. I mean, I think that whenever it comes to the Twitch community, YouTube is pretty far ahead of us in terms of of figuring out that you need to have a niche. Like we don't we don't really have that belief as something that is uh, ingrained in the minds of every single person that's on the platform. A lot of people think that I I just have to join and play video games, turn on my camera and be interesting. And then people will care. (laughs) Yeah. The same thing on YouTube. Oh, look at that vlogger. They're just making videos with kids. I got kids. Yeah. (laughs) And then they come to me like, why is that person blowing up? And I can't get more than 20 views. Exactly. 
I don't know who you are, what you're about, why you're doing this. Like all the human signals are missing. Yep. Does that help with uh, how you set up in your channel? Yeah, absolutely it does. So let's say we've got the channel set up already and we need to make the first video. What video should we make? Where do we start with the actual video creation process? Oh, yeah. This is the same principles. Keep following them, which is like, um, I, I, again, I don't jump to what. I start with, it's always about delivering value to a specific audience. So too many people are like, well, I see that some people vlog. I'll do that. I see other people stream. I see some people game. I see some people do tutorials, DIY, how to like, and they just kind of pick a niche. And, and it's kind of more or less like what they're actually picking is where do I want to compete? You know, and I'm, I'm kind of more of the mindset, like, don't compete with anyone. Go so specific that you eliminate all your competition because there's no one else doing what you're doing anymore. Right. So, um, yeah. So, like, instead of just jumping straight into vlogs or something, start with how what's the best way I can deliver this value to this audience? And, and back into your, like your content strategy that way. Like, Oh, like I, I could do it this way with vlogs. I could do it this way with tutorials. I could do it this way with a re like a reality show. Um, I could do it this way with a variety show. Like just kind of like, just start with how do I deliver value and, and focus on that. And, and the nice thing about that is if your brand revolves around a belief, not a what, like, Hey, subscribe to me. Cause I do Fortnite videos. But what happens when you don't want to do a Fortnite video? Like you're stuck. Like no one, like they subscribe for Fortnite videos. But if you say, Hey, subscribe, cause I want to teach you how to reach people and change their lives. Then it doesn't matter if I do a gaming video, if I do a blog, if I do a skit, if I do a short film, like I, I have maximum flexibility in terms of style, as long as it comes back to the thing people subscribe for. And I told them what to subscribe for, which was reaching people and changing their lives. They don't care about the style. As long as the value, they get the value that they want. I love that so, so I, much. Yeah, too many people. Like I worked with one guy a few weeks ago. He's two and a half million subscribers, and he's built this niche on YouTube where he packs himself into a box or a bubble and either ships himself to another country or floats across a canal into another country <laughs> or do like, yeah, totally random, weird. What? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, and a lot of it's not real, just, you know, behind the scenes. But uh, but the story is really engaging. And you're like, is this real or not? <laughs> it's hard to tell. Uh, so, but now he comes to me. He's like, Tim, I've been doing this for years. And I don't think I, I just don't know what else to do with this. Like, where else can I mail myself to? Or what else? How else can I float across a canal into that other country or whatever, you know? Um He's like, I, 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 but I can't, I can't do anything else. I'm like, yeah, you've locked yourself into a style. People are, are watching you for a certain story and you never told them what they should subscribe for, what your brand was all about. So they had to substitute that meaning themselves and make up something. And now you have some people who subscribe because you're funny. Some people who subscribe because you do crazy things. Some people subscribe because you're in their hometown, right? Whatever. Like, and now if you don't, now, if you stop doing the, if, if you're not funny in one video, that person unsubscribes. If you're not doing the story, another person wants that person like, and because the brand's unclear. And so coming back to my point in the beginning, before you kind of just dive into like, well, I'm going to make vlogs. Well, only do vlogs if that's, the, if that's the best way to deliver the value 
to the target audience. And it might be, you know, but, but if the value is actually a belief or something else that you can jump around between vlogs and games and live streams and whatever else you want, as long as that value is delivered. Yeah. And it's so important for longevity. If you want to set yourself up to be a full-time content creator for uh, five, 10 years, or who knows how long you have to be able to jump around doing one thing forever and ever is, is exhausting. Mind numbingly. Yes. Yes. I've definitely reached a point too where I feel like I've said so many of the same things over and over and over. I'm like, my brain shuts off and the words just come out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, and and the other danger of this too, in terms of channel growth and probably true to Twitch as well, is that like not even a television series lasts more than maybe seven seasons if it's like a really good show, right? So like if there's 13 episodes, uh, 13 episodes to a season and let's say goes that's 91 episodes 91 videos and that season's like kind of like people are kind of done with it and it goes off the air in another season if it if it even lasts for seven how many creators do far more like they do hundreds of videos all same way and then they start getting bored and their audience is getting bored. like you need to have some freedom and wiggle room to be able to to explore different ideas and try new things and um you know so if you're always kind of lock yourself into, and I don't want to use examples on YouTube, but there's many I could use that are, they've been doing the same thing for literally years and they are, they used to be at three, five, six million subscribers and they are losing thousands of subscribers a day. Um, and it's because you know, you like watch a video today and it's the same thing they were doing five years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you got to reinvent yourself. And the best way to do that without losing an audience is to make your brand clear. And it's always about the value you're providing and not the style in which you provide it. Oh, that is so important. I love that. And that's, I feel like such an anxiety inducing thing to think about sometimes too, because what if you go in a direction where people don't care about it anymore? Like what if you post a video and nobody watches it? Or what if you decide to try something new with your stream and nobody shows up? For the longest time, I was doing just chatting, which is like an IRL section on Twitch, and just answering stream questions. And they were doing so well for us. We got partnered really quickly, like the channel blew up. But then I just got so exhausted and I couldn't do the same questions Wednesday to Friday for eight hours every single day anymore. And I started introducing gaming and it was it was scary. Like yeah, I mean, <sighs> but if it's all, but if it's all about like, I just want to feel like I'm hanging out with me, then it's kind of like you can do that stuff as long as people understand what what it is. It's a little bit hard to pitch yourself as like, hey, subscribe or follow because I'm gonna be your best friend. People are like, uh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Who are <right>? you again? <laughs> but you, but you do need to be able to answer that question for people because if you can't, if people are like, hey. Like if, if you don't understand why people should subscribe to your channel or follow you or whatever, then they're not, they're not gonna, um, like, they're not gonna know. Like if, if you can't articulate that very succinctly in, in a compelling way, then like, how do you expect other people to figure that out? Yeah. That's one of the biggest questions in our community is why do people watch you? And a lot of streamers can't, they can't articulate it. They have no idea. I think it's, in my opinion, it's perceived relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, like, I feel like I'm hanging out with you. I feel like we've uh, got a relationship. I'm having fun. I mean, we're all social people. We want to hang out with people. And some people just don't have the opportunity for whatever reason, mm-hmm. as much as they would like to be able to connect with people. So they find that online. 
That's very true. Ah, oh, so good. Let's get into the micro experience with YouTube. So creating the actual videos and the different types of videos. So there's like vlogs, educational content, entertainment content. Uh, there's so much that people can create and there's so many different video types based on, let's say like our goal is growth. We want to grow a YouTube channel that has subscribers, reaches a lot of people and brings those people back to our Twitch streams. What types of videos do you think that we should start with? Does it really matter? Uh, how long should they be? Yeah, it comes, comes back to the same question. I'm going to peep myself again. Sorry, <laughs> Go for it's, it. It's, it's like the value. It's all about the value you're providing. So um, there's a couple of different questions in there we could get into, but um, are you asking like what's the process we go to or, 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 or what kind of videos we should make? Or yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the process. Okay. So the process is like once you've kind of figured out like what style and let's just maybe use for the sake of our example here, let's just use vlogs um, because that vlogs has a similar value prop as um, streams do in terms of it being a, a primarily relational um, thing in addition to it being uh, like, uh, there, well, there's two values. To it. One is like the relational side, so it's just like streaming. And then the other one is like telling a good story, which is more like a straight up Hollywood movie type of thing. Like, I just want to enjoy a good story for a little while. I don't care about Tim or Ashton or whoever. It's like, just tell me a good story. Um, and so Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, a lot of these guys are just really, really talented and skilled at, at doing a three-act uh, three structure over and over again in every single video uh, by by telling us that a story that people love. Um, so... Uh, so for that, then I would say, well, okay, so what, how do I, let's just say it's like a relational value. How do, what type what do I want my community to be all about? What's the belief? And then that's step number one. Step number two then is how do I, what story do I need to tell as a vlogger that always revolve around this value? So for example, maybe my wife and I are like, we want to encourage young moms. Um, we have seven little kids. We have seven kids in eight years. Uh, our oldest is nine, our youngest is one. <laughs> and uh, and so we want to tell stories that encourage young moms. And so it's like, well, what's what? Like, that doesn't mean we're just going to be like, hey, guys, today I'm mowing the lawn, blah, blah, blah. Right. And people are like, OK, I don't care. <laughs> you know, um, the diehard people who just want to feel like they're hanging out will care. But in terms of growing this thing, we have to get people who have never heard of us before and um, never seen us on Twitch or anything. Like you got to get those first time viewers to quickly care. And and that comes back to understanding the value prop in the target audience. But maybe our value prop is like encouraging young moms. So we're probably not going to do the lawn mowing vlog unless there's some sort of connection to encouraging a mom. Um, however, maybe instead we would do a, a video um, like uh, – like guys, refrigerator is empty. We're out of food, and it's just one of those days. Um, you know, the kids are pooping all over the place, and this one's throwing up. And you know, so how do I? Uh, so like, how do you tell that story of like this is how we're going to tackle this together as a family? That's a story they would care about. That target audience because it's aligned with the value prop of our vlogs and our channel for that target audience, or it's. Um, you know, like how do we build better relationships as a family together? Like those are the stories you should tell, not like whatever's on your to-do list that day because that doesn't align with the value prop. So even in vlogging, it's got to come back to that those same principles. 
Um, and so you just look for what does my audience wants and what's the, how is, what's the story I'm going to tell that delivers that. That's so good. You basically always have to ask yourself, why should people care about this? Why would my audience care about this video or this stream or this thing that I'm talking about before you create it? So it's not creation just for the sake of creation. It almost feels like some people think you can just create a ton of YouTube videos and over time it will just grow and you'll you'll do great. But uh, not really. Yeah. I mean, I, about, I mean, so there's there's the channels that most people see that make it look easy, like a musician or an actor who's or an athlete who's really good at what they do. They make it look easy. You know, watching the Super Bowl, I'm like, I got to cut that, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> or you're watching a musician or or an actor or an actress. But but they are they they've dedicated their lives to this thing. Right. And you don't see the backstory that's gotten them where they are. Conversely, you also don't see all the people who are just repeating their mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. That's why I like having a coach like you can sometimes be helpful because like, hey, you never considered that. I still don't know who you are or why I should care about you <laughs> or whatever. You don't say it that way, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, and uh, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine um, on YouTube. They've been um, making daily videos since like 2007 or eight or something like that. So like 10 years. And I think they just passed like 20,000 subscribers. Wow. You're like, that's a lot of work for not a lot. Like people just aren't connecting. When are you going to kind of pick up on that? Right. And a lot of it comes back to some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um, a lot of this stuff is missing from their brand and this person, this family just kind of thinks that like, well, we want people to like us for who we are. And so I'm like, yeah, but who are you? <laughs> you know, like you gotta answer that question. So, um, but you don't see those channels cause they're not big and popular. They don't grow. Like you don't notice all the people who are just, and I, and I see them cause they come to me, but there's literally like for everyone that's like doing well, there's maybe hundreds that are struggling and you just don't notice them. And so the one that's growing seems to be the norm, but it's totally not, you know, um, that's just what people notice. Yeah. I forget how I got a hold. That's, <laughs> that's where that train ends. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though. I, I love that you're, you're being realistic about YouTube because there's so many, there's so many expectations that people have whenever they post a video, they're like, I'll post one video and it'll blow up. I'll post one video and hopefully people will care. And it just doesn't play out like that for a lot of people. There are a lot of people that, like, Peter McKinnon blew up. His channel was, what, 2 million subs in, like, a year or something. But there are people that have been streaming or have been creating YouTube videos for for so long and haven't right. done the same thing. So Yeah, and people are like, oh, well, he just got lucky. It's like, no, oh. lucky. It was good branding, good content, consistent value for a specific audience. You know, like that's that's the key. And the nice thing about YouTube is that when you consistently provide a value to a specific audience that people keep coming back for over and over again, YouTube's search and discovery systems learn who wants this content and who doesn't, who resonates with it, who doesn't. And then they just start surfacing your videos to the right people for you, which is amazing, right? It's like, um, it's like the homepage and the suggested videos and watch next and all these opportunities where Google's like, this person's never heard of Ashley before on YouTube, but we know that 
due to their past viewing history and their search history that the type of if they saw Ashney, they would love it. And so then YouTube just starts surfacing and putting you in front of the right people. And that's when you go. That's when you like 100x your growth. If you just like I, I work with one guy that was a few years ago now, but uh, he was doing all right. You know, he's doing a few thousand subscribers on YouTube a day and like one to two thousand and has some good consistent growth there. But when we worked on tweaking his brand and his content and how he pitched value and delivered value and he started doing that consistently when youtube figured out who wants this content they started putting him straight on the homepage in front of the right people and he went from doing one to two thousand subscribers a day to doing 30 to forty thousand subscribers per day on youtube right he just blew past that one million two million subscriber mark just you know and that's that's the advantage of like when you you know you're doing this stuff well when you start seeing that happening um youtube's like not confused and that comes back again to the principle yeah absolutely that's so huge and there are a lot of other things too that go into your video being served like that right like clickability is really important having a good title and having a good thumbnail that people actually care about is is massive um yeah Thumbnail style is something that I agonized over for so long. I burned out because I couldn't find a style that I liked in terms of the way the video was shot, edited, and put together, and the thumbnail and the title and just how everything worked together. How does somebody make a video like that that will actually be clicked on? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't <laughs> like matter how good your question. video <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and yeah. some of the stuff is subjective. It's about design, right? Yeah. But um, there are a few principles that that I've seen pretty consistent. Um, it doesn't matter how amazing your video is if no one's enticed to watch it in the first place. So you know the most, and this is what most creators do. They spend an enormous amount of time focusing on shooting, editing, everything, and then the title and thumbnail is like they're trying to figure that out as it's uploading, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That's the wrong time to think about that. You should know the title and the thumbnail is before you start shooting so that you can open the video connecting exactly to the expectation that the title and thumbnail set for someone. So um, like, so if I do a vlog, for example, of like mom goes shopping alone with eight crazy kids or something, right? And there's a thumbnail of like all the kids kind of like falling out of the shopping cart. That, that video can't open with my wife opening the refrigerator, talking about how she you know, she's go shopping. Like it's got to start with, you know, putting the kids into the shopping cart. That's the expect. That's the story that people are expecting to see. And so you gotta you gotta hook their attention right away. So it's not just about titles and thumbnails. It's about how you craft the content itself to hook and hold someone's attention. But um, the principles for thumbnails and titles. Um, a couple maybe off the top of my head that might be helpful um, in terms of titles. Um, too many people just like use titles to like describe the content and they tell and like kind of saying this is the topic as opposed to really pitching the value or teasing this story or talking about the reward that the creator actually wants. Like, so for example, for me, um, I could make a video about how to enable two-step authentication on your channel. And the only people who'd watch you are the people who already know what two-step authentication is and they want their bias confirmed. Right. Um, or people who accidentally clicked and like, what are you talking about? I'm out. Right. So like, that's what if I just, I'm titling the video after the what, but instead I should title, like I, I would make that video, like how to prevent your YouTube channel from getting hacked. 
Like that's the actual reward. That's the point. That's what people actually want. And so through that content, then I introduce them to two-step authentication. But uh, but now they know what, not only know what it is, but now they know to care and they're more likely to go enable that on their channel. So always title after teasing the story or pitching the reward, not like, you know, stream coach podcast episode 21. People are like, I don't know what I'm getting from that, right? Uh, I'm not saying you do that. I don't know. I didn't look. I'm just making that up. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I learned that from you. I listened. Good, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, and a lot of gamers make that mistake because they're like um, Call of Duty EP 37, right? And it's just like, am I going to sit here and watch 30? Do I have to watch 36 other videos before I get to this one? Like, no, you got to make each video stand alone. You can have series and stuff, but that's all another time. Okay. So the, the thumbnails also need to be enticing. And a lot of gamers do this too on YouTube. They just kind of use like the game, like cover or whatever for all their videos and that entire for that, that game or something. And none of the videos stand out. I don't know why I should click on this one versus that one. Like, what am I going to get if I watch this video? What am I going to get? Like, I don't know. Like, why is, there's nothing in pulling me or attracting me any specific video. And Google themselves was like, did he just upload the same video 13 times? Like, they all have pretty much the same title and thumbnail and description. It's like all default content. <laughs> like, what do we do with this? Um, it's more complicated than that. But for the sake of the example, you get the idea. And so... Um, the thumbnails need to be like also tease the value, pitch the reward, the story, whatever. Like it needs to, it needs to really highlight that and complement the title in some way. Um, and a couple of principles should be like one: make sure that there's high contrast between the foreground and the background. Um, two: make sure that the eye is is like clear where you want the eye to go. If you have like a bunch of text and you have too much happening on, on the image, people just kind of glance. It's too confusing. People just skim right past it. Um, make sure that it looks good on mobile, especially for gamers. Uh, like if it's if the text is too small or the action is too small, like it's got to be very clear and discernible uh, what's going on there. And um, so the, the, and then using... Um, I say contrast, but different colors. Like if you're familiar with the color wheel and things, we're kind of getting into some design stuff now. But um, those are like those are the main things to kind of keep in keep in mind. Uh, and then in terms of content, the first opening 15 seconds then need to really connect with the what the person clicked expecting to get. It can't come eight minutes later or something like we kind of talked about. Right. So, how many times? Help? Yeah. How many times do you feel like people should ask the viewers to subscribe? Mm, good question. So, so get, um, how do I tackle this one? Uh, there's a couple of different ways to approach it. On one hand, like I think that people, like people, just kind of know how to friend, like, subscribe, follow, like, especially if you have like a streaming audience, like they kind of know how it works. So they're not like subscribe. It's not like you're asking like my grandmother and she's like, subscribe. Do I have to pay for that? How much does it cost to subscribe? You're like, no, no, no. It's not like a magazine subscription. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it, so I don't, I think people kind of get it. Uh, two, the second point though, is like having, having um, a passive subscriber isn't really that valuable. Like, it used to be you should, you should have people ask people to subscribe because 
you need to remind people. And then we did. We saw an uptick when you asked people to subscribe. That's less and less the case in my experience today. The more valuable thing is actually to get people to click and watch another video. So I don't really ask people to subscribe anymore. I do, but it's like really quick. And sometimes I'll just do it with like a lower third visual or something. Just kind of remind people, excuse me. Um, but instead, when I get to the end of the content, instead of being like, hey guys, hope this was helpful. Let me know what you think. I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. If you haven't, make sure you smash that like button and subscribe. And blah, blah. Like right there is like, what, four or five call to actions? That's like way too many. Just give people one thing you want them to do. And I think the most valuable thing in terms of YouTube now is actually getting them to click and watch another. So don't give any signals that the video is over. Don't say like, hey, hope you like this or let me know what you think or nothing like that. Your audience retention graphs on YouTube, you're going to see everyone abandons your video at that point. And they're not even going to listen to your, your action that you want them to take. So instead, it's like, um, next thing you need to know in order to really optimize your thumbnails is how to do it specifically for mobile devices. I put together a short playlist for you guys, which you can click right here. It's only four videos, and it's going to really dive into the design that you need to consider to get more clicks, more views, and more subscribers on your YouTube channel with a mobile audience. So click those, click this playlist, and I'll see you guys in that next video. Wow, have you right? done and, that before? And, oh, I do it so almost every video now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. What happens great. on some of our... On our on our, our clients that we work with, like a normal click through rate on the end screen is like 0.7 to 1% click through rate. Uh, now we're seeing as high as 38% click through rate. So if you're thinking like, what's a good way to get more watch time, like a substantially more watch time for my most valuable viewers on my channel without getting in one additional viewer, like this is it. Like get the person who's already there, like to feel like they can keep hanging out with you and watch another video. This isn't like, like, like television where they sign off at the end because there's another show coming on YouTube. Like the show doesn't have the end. They can just keep watching. And if you talk, there's a sales tactic that says like, if you talk about the product from the perspective as if the customers already made the purchase and they start picturing themselves with the product, they're more likely to actually make that transaction. And so that's the same principle we're applying to YouTube is rather than like saying goodbye, let me know what you think. You just like while the end screens are already on, you're still delivering content. So they're like value. So people are still there watching the video when they come on. And then it gives you like 10, 5, 10, maybe max 15 seconds at the end of the video where you can give a quick pitch. You point to where it is. You tell them this is where you should go and why you should click and watch it. Give a little pitch for it. And um, and just say like I'll see you in the next video. Don't say goodbye or anything. The only time I'd ask for a, uh, like a subscription is like if I'm sending someone in the, like in the, um, the video that's coming up tomorrow on my channel is a is a uh, template for how to tell a good story that really boosts engagement. Um, that you can just you answer these seven questions before you start shooting your next video, and you're gonna get like high engagement, high watch time every single time. So, uh, but but then I tell people that the call to action at the end is actually to go watch one of Casey Neistat's vlogs. I have a specific vlog of his where he just makes it so super clear. It's like you can you can track this template straight through his content really easy. And I want people to see that example. So I'm sending them to to Casey's video. And so because they're leaving my channel, I ask them to subscribe. But it's really really quick. It's just like. Um, I have an assignment for you guys. When you click this video to you on your screen, and I want you to track through this template on Casey's. He does it well. There's a reason why he's got 10 million subscribers. Go see how he does it. So subscribe right here, and I'll see you guys in the next video.
you know, so that's it. Like I said, subscribe here. See you next video. Like that's it. Um, that's the key. That's like the call to action for discoverable videos. Now, if you, you're going, you have like community videos, you have sales videos, you have different types of content that have different goals. But the goal of a discoverable video is to get them to watch more content. And what happens, um, the reason why that's more valuable in a subscriber than someone just passively clicking subscribe and not watching another video is that if you get them to watch two or three of your videos, guess where the rest of your content starts showing up? It starts following them around YouTube for the next week or so. Then more of your videos are going to be on the homepage for them. Even if they don't subscribe, you're just going to be in front of them on the homepage. More of your videos are going to be suggested and recommended to them. Watch next. It's like, hey, they watched three of Ashley's videos. Um, you know, let's see if they can get her to watch more. Like, she, like this person must really like Ashley's videos. And then you're getting more watch time. You start getting more views. You're getting suggested in more places. And all of that, in my opinion, is more valuable than getting someone to passively click a red button. Uh, and so that's that's the direction I take with it. This is so accurate. And I know people are already taking notes because people are saying so in chat. So thank you. I love that was really deep and really, really helpful. However, how would you suggest that we put into those videos uh, recommending people to come in to our Twitch and check out our streams. Okay, so we got a problem here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the the problem is YouTube doesn't want you sending from YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. YouTube's like like a big uh, ranking factor. Uh, there's three primary ones, but uh, the, one of them is um, how does this video contribute to a viewer's overall viewing session? So let's say there's two videos and it never works like this, but just for the sake of the example, all of the things being considered equal, the videos, similar watch time, similar on everything. Everything's equal in these two videos, except for video A. If YouTube learns if we surface this video, people stay on YouTube for another 30 minutes on average. Versus video B, YouTube learns if we surface this video, people only stay on YouTube for another three minutes. Which videos are they gonna be more likely to surface? It has like nothing to do with keywords or meta. It's like all about. So um, the one with at least a 30 minutes is going to win hands down. So if I were a Twitch streamer, the way I would approach it is um, there's a few different ways you can do it. Actually, one would be um, just uh, and a friend of mine, um, one shot girl, you know, Julie. Yeah. Yeah, she actually lives like not too far from me. Um, and, um, and so I've been to her house. We shot some videos together. She's really great, really cool girl. Um, but she, um, and I see her doing this a lot, is she just kind of cuts some highlights and stuff and adds them to uh, different like Instagram or YouTube and stuff like that. I think an opportunity maybe rather than just kind of doing highlights though is um, which I think you should do, but I think there's some opportunity to add some voiceover and turn it into like a show, you know, like, like where ESPN has like all the highlights with commentary of like the, the game or something that people like the football game, someone missed, like you want to catch the highlights, you watch these guys and they're going to like kind of take you through it. And it's kind of like the director's cut maybe. So to speak is what you would be doing. Um, so turn it into additional value like that and have a link to your Twitch in it. And so people can watch it there but you're not sending them and they can go subscribe to your uh, and, and follow you on Twitch, but they're not like necessarily um, um, like ending the viewing session on YouTube because they can k- kind of keep watching. 
there. Uh, so you can promote it that way with like using Twitch content and using it as additional value, not just like here's a full eight hour stream that you missed. Like you can watch that on Twitch, but, um, uh, but um, instead like making additional value that is aligned with the value prop of the channel. Uh, I, that's one way to do it. Um, two, I think you could stream once in a while on YouTube and just tell people you have Twitch. Hey, I stream every day on Twitch, but on Fridays it's here on YouTube or something. And so as you're building the YouTube audience, those people who are joining that stream, like you can get them to go follow you over on Twitch, but now they're, but they're still watching that stream currently. Um, another one, another way to do it is, um, uh, have most of your content just designed to keep people on YouTube, but you can make a sales video, which is what, like for me, for example, I published a video yesterday where the whole goal of that video is a trailer of like a 50 minute in depth, um, training I did about like, I actually think you just became a channel member yesterday, Ashley. So you, maybe you, you saw this, um, is, um, thank you by the way. <laughs> and, uh, but like, it's like a one minute clip saying like um, of a trailer and the whole point of that video is to get people to go click this link in the description, become a channel member, sign up. But you can do that same thing. Uh, like when I, when my video labs course opens, for example, it's like the whole point of that video is telling people the course is open. Now you can go sign up. Here's the results creators get when they're going through it. It's awesome. And these are the things you're going to learn. And like, just kind of, it's still value add. Like, here's what you're going to learn. Here's what, really needs to happen in your channel now in 2019 and blah, blah, blah. And, but the whole point of that video is the end of viewing session. That video will go through my subscribers feed and like a week from now is no longer getting any views because hopefully it ended the viewing session enough that Google's not promoting it anymore. And that's okay with me. I brought people into my channel with discoverable content. I formed a community with them with the community content. And then I have the sales content that's designed to capitalize on what the discoverable and the community brought in and created. And now this is like, you know, where I capture value. So, you know, you're delivering good value, but in order to be sustainable, you need to capture value too. And that's what that does. And so I don't mind if I make a dedicated video just intended to get people to my Twitch or get people to my email list or get people to my Instagram or whatever. Um, another way to do it is you're gleam.io. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So using like a contest giveaway type tool like that. Um, a friend of mine, um, Sean McKnight over at Cute Girl Hairstyles, they do this like the smartest way I've seen someone do it. It's actually not like about the giveaway. It's about cross pollinating they're not cross pollinating. That sounds um, <laughs> cross promotion. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there you go. Cross pollinating. <laughs> cross pollinating. That's a weird visual. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I homeschool our kids too, so a little oh, science is coming back to me. <laughs> it's a third grade science or whatever kindergarten, whatever it was. Um, so. Yeah, but it's about like getting people who follow me on YouTube to then follow you on Twitch and Instagram and Twitter and like all the other places to get an entry every time they do so. And so it's not like trying to use a, a contest or a giveaway to get more people. And it's more like getting people to cross promoting your platforms and getting people who actually like love engaging with you here on Twitch to now also love engaging with you on Instagram or so few ideas real quick there That's all those perfect. make sense yeah yeah and i think that kind of leads into the business side of being a creator which is something that i think you're absolutely fantastic at um 
there's a, a huge problem in the streaming community where a lot of people are focused on, well, I want to be a full-time streamer, but in order to be full-time, I need a thousand subscribers. Oh, I need a ton man. of bits yeah. and subs and tips. Like they're focused really, really hard into making money on the actual platform as opposed to other sources of income. Right. So what do you feel like, uh, what are some other places we can make some income? How do we like build a business? I, there's so there's so much to unpack here, I know, but maybe just start by like telling people what you do to monetize. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I actually have a, as a channel member. Maybe you've have you how much have you have you had a chance to look at the trainings that are there? No, I haven't so, yet. Okay, so um, you get access to it, but there's a whole training on this um which is like how to 150x your youtube revenue with a business plan so that's exactly what you're talking about here and it's uh and it's actually um people like 150x like i this is totally possible you guys like i i have uh i I know someone who only has um last time i checked like five thousand subscribers on youtube and they're making over two million dollars a year from their channel. What? Yes. You know? Oh my god. Conversely, uh. <laughs> conversely, I ha- and I'll tell you how they're doing it here. Actually, no, just watch tomorrow's video. Actually, no, tomorrow's video. Next week's video is about that. Um, uh, but sorry, I feel like I'm plugging myself too much. I'm just trying to like point you guys. No, go like, for this, it. This is where like more information is. But um. Conversely, like I worked with a, another guy who has six million subscribers, and he came to me and he was he was making less money than I was making at that time with about two hundred thousand subscribers, right? So the principle here is like there is no correlation. Well, let me rephrase that. There is very little correlation between the size of your audience and how much money you make. Instead. The way to think about this is the correlation is more the problem. How do I say this concisely? The um, I just saw it in the video. I should just read you my scripts. That'd probably be better. <laughs> but it, it, it revolves more around um, having a plan for capturing value. So a business plan, the definition of a business plan that I really like is, is the rationale for how you create, deliver, and capture value. Most creators, Twitch and YouTube, are actually really good at delivering and uh, creating and delivering value. That's what they do every day, all day long. And that's why people are here watching. And that's why people are subscribing. That's why they're following because you're delivering value that they want to consume. Most creators are also terrible at capturing value. And so the way you actually um, uh, you do this is, is the same amount of time and energy and effort you put into planning how I'm going to deliver value, but that same time and energy and effort into how I'm going to capture value. But you have to change your mindset a little bit. You can't, it's no, you can no longer think of yourself as like, like most people think of themselves as employees, which is, you know, our whole educational system and college and everything is training you to like get a job, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but you, but if you think of yourself as an employee, the way an employee thinks is like, I exchange time for dollars. And that's why, you know, there's a cap on your income because you only have so much time. Right. Um, and, uh, how instead what you need to think of is more of like an entrepreneur 
business owner, which is instead they think of I am exchanging value for dollars and value can scale, time can't, right? And so um, the, the rationale for how you create, deliver and capture value. So com- coming back to the conversation we had earlier, which is again, you the same principles that grow your YouTube channel, your Twitch audience are the same principles that's gonna grow money, your, your, your revenue, which is who exactly is my audience and why should they care? What va- who wants to consume the value that I'm trying to deliver? And then that's the create and deliver value. But then the capture value is how do I deliver 10x that same value in a format people are willing to pay for? Right. So for you, Ashney, I, I heard you talking before we got started here. You, you do um, uh, consultations, coaching sessions, and things with people. So people can get one X of that value through just watching your content. Like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to stream better. I'm gonna learn how to develop my my, my Twitch audience and things like that. Um, but if you went 10x that value, probably more likely like 100x, 1000x that value, they can pay you, right? And now you have a, a way of capturing value for people to like want to spend an hour with you or I'm not sure exactly how your sessions work, but probably something like that. And people can get into a session with you and learn like, okay, I, I, I learned general principles for your content, but I want you to help me apply it to my channel. That's like 10 X value. Now people want to work with you uh, and they're willing to pay for that. Right. Um, and I think that kind of approach makes sense for educational content like ours. If it's more in, in the entertainment category, like just gaming, streaming, like, we're just building relationships, forming a community. Well, what you're actually selling, what the value people actually want is perceived relationships. They want community, so sell community. So how else can you, and actually people make billions of dollars selling community um, and not just through Twitch and streaming stuff, like community, like people wanna feel like they belong to something. That's like this innate human desire. We wanna feel like we belong to someone and to something. <laughs> and people pay money to have the, for that feeling, lots of money for it. And so it's like, well, how do I form community? How do I sell that community? What is What are people becoming a part of when they buy this? What, what sense of pride and satisfaction and feeling do they get when they feel like, I'm paying this money to be a part of this thing. And that's a whole nother conversation. But the principle is, is how do you sell value? Um, and sometimes people feel like a little, like sell is a dirty word. They feel like, like it's like, it's hard to do. I made this mistake actually, um, prior to being a full-time YouTube creator, I was a full-time blogger, um, prior to even YouTube, like back before YouTube was even a thing. And, um, and I, all my, my whole blog revolved around free content and I was like anti-selling stuff. And then when I launched out full time on the blog, I actually decided I had to sell stuff now. And it was really hard because I, I wrote a book and tried to sell it. And people are like, whoa, like Tim, what's going on here? Like you're the free guy. Why are you trying to, trying to sell us something now? And it was really hard to change that mentality for my audience because they had always expected me to be free, even though it was a book, like they're used to buying books. Like people have those bookstores, right? So it's like, there wasn't anything wrong with that. They just, it was the association that they had made with me and my brand. So when I started video creators, I went, I learned that lesson and I'm like, okay, sales are going to be a part of my, are going to be part of my relationship with my community from the very beginning. 
Um, and so now when I do videos that are just about pitching something, I don't really get unsubscribes. I don't really get a ton of thumbs, thumbs down. I don't get hate in the comments because people, they know that's part of our relationship. They expect it because it's, it's been there since they first subscribed. So um, I think it's like, it's, it's, if you haven't done it before, it's going to take some time to kind of turn the ship a little bit, but learning how to sell in a way that just not just like about trying to extract value. Like, Hey guys, I stream for you guys eight hours a day and appreciate me. You should be paying me more. You know, like that's like, Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, that's just trying to extract value. But like in a way of how else do I give value and provide more of what they're already wanting to consume from me from what they're willing to pay for. Um, I can come back to the 2 million I want to give that example of what he's doing um, is basically uh, his the value that he provides is he teaches people about insurance policies and what's good, what's bad, what to avoid, which ones are you know, great and he reviews a lot of that stuff. And so um, that's why people are consuming his, his content on YouTube, learning about insurance. And he's an insurance agent. And so when he sells a, a policy through one of his videos, he gets a, a decent commission. And uh, those are reoccurring commissions. And he's up to $2 million a year with a relatively small channel because he knows what the people, the value people are consuming from him. He's delivering that in like 10x the format, uh, 10x that value in a format they're willing to pay for. And that's what's working for him. So that's versus so like good. having six million subs and having no plan for capturing value other than AdSense and brand, which are ultimately you just selling other people's stuff. So rather than taking a small percentage of someone else's marketing budget, just make your own thing, sell it and take a hundred percent of the profit for yourself. Exactly. Keep going, but does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. I think it's really important too, to start with, with selling, um, early on with your audience, but also thinking about the scalability potential. So something that I've kind of done to myself without realizing it was I have, I started with a service-based business, which requires me to be there. I have to be one-on-one. I have to be in person to be able to do any of the stream coaching sessions. And I've sold out to the point of my schedule kind of being overwhelmed with coaching sessions and and now i'm like well crap things need to be more scalable so that i can relax a little bit more and take more time for myself and focus on other things but i don't have time to do something that's more scalable like a an online course or uh i just actually finished an ebook so i was able to get that out but it took six months so scalability is huge yeah, I have two books. I was in that same exact situation. Exactly what you're talking about. You're like, I have 10 plates spinning and I can't let any of them drop because that's a substantial amount of revenue for me and I can't afford to, to not do that, right? Yes. Um, so uh, the stress is real. Two books that really helped me. One is called The Pumpkin Plan. I highly recommend. Um, that book was scary for me to implement. I, uh, but it was the only way for me to get past the mistake I was making that was preventing the scalability from happening. Um, so I highly recommend that one. And the second book is called E Myth. Oh, I love um, E Myth. Oh, okay, so yeah, so you're familiar so with good. systems and yes. processes. So really, what you need to start doing then uh, is systematizing your sessions. So like, I have a team of currently four other YouTube strategists that work. And uh, so what I had to do is answer the question, how quickly get someone to be a YouTube expert who can work just as well with one of my clients as I could? And how do I systematize that? And so I have um, 
It is a 42 page document <laughs> without oh, currently system. No. You know? Yeah. But this is where Woo. the value comes in. You know, yeah. like if you want to sell your business one day, this is like, this is the work that gets you from like going full time to growing a business that gets you like, maybe I'm making up numbers, you know, maybe you want a healthy income of like $80,000 a year. Just making this up totally for the sake of the um, but there's no way you can move to 180,000 because you're capped. But the more important thing is there's no way for you to offer additional value to your audience because you're capped. Right. And so uh, another good book that was helpful for me, uh, I'm not recommending this one necessarily, but it was called thou shalt prosper. Um, and it was written by a, um, by a Jewish rabbi who, you know, and I, I didn't realize this, but apparently 80% of our country's assets are owned by 2% of um, our population, which uh, which are Jews, like in Jewish people. So I'm not getting political here or anything. It's just like the math, right? So what is it that though, that community, those people understand about business that's allowed them to grow <laughs> to that type of number? And so he breaks it down into 10 principles that that their community follows in business that allowed them to capture so much value. And it was really, really insightful. Um, but one of the things he said in there was um, he redefined money for me. He said, um, money are certificates of appreciation. And so the way I think about it now is like, people are like, I really appreciate this value you're giving me. Here's a certificate of appreciation. You start thinking about it that way. I'm like, so that means the more certificates of appreciation I get, that must mean the more value I'm offering to more people, the more, the more I'm helping them. Right. And so it's not like extracting value, trying to make myself rich and wealthy by taking it from, you know, people through whatever means possible. It's like, how, how do I just create and deliver more and more value that is like, I just needed more people who could do what I do. And I had to systematize that process of what a consultation with us looks like now process we go through and, and all that and the format and things we need to talk about and how to find different things. It's just like editing a video. Like, how do I scale? How do I hand this off to someone? Like no one else knows how to edit like I do. And so I just screen captured myself editing a few videos. And then I started, um, uh, writing it down into a list and like, oh, I had a system. I just didn't identify it. This is why I cut here and not here. This is why I add music to this spot and not to this spot. This is why this part needs a lower third and this part doesn't, right? And it's because like there's a system I just hadn't identified. Uh, a friend of mine, um, Grant Thompson from The King of Random, I don't know if you know that channel on YouTube, but like 12, I, 13 million subscribers I or something so. like that. I think so. It's vaguely familiar. Channel. So um, we, we worked on his systems for a little while and because uh, editing was like one of his problems too. And it, it's all the same principles, all about systems. And uh, so make a long story short, today his, his system for editing a video is 70 pages long of checklists, oh checkboxes. And he said, he's like, Tim, if I give this checklist and my raw footage to anyone who knows the mechanics of video editing and they follow the list, I get a video that's back 100% every time. You know, no revisions needed. And like that's, that's how, those are the systems you need to put in place in order to scale for whatever the value is that you want to provide. Now for him, that makes sense. He was like a former airline pilot. So he's used to all those checklists and systems wherever you take off and land stuff. So he, that was really natural. For people like me, it, it doesn't come as naturally. I got to actually 
sit down and work on putting the step one, step two, step three, even for like, I don't manage my email anymore. Too many, too much email. And so I was like, how do I systematize my email management? <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, step one, search my inbox and see if I've had any correspondence with that person before, you know, if yes, then read that correspondence and get a feel for what my relationship with that person might be like. If no, handle it yourself, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and then you just go through like this process uh, and you just gotta start systematizing it. And then over time you refine the systems, but um, I need to just stop talking and let you talk more. No, I, I, I love rolling. this though, cause this is, this is gonna be really mind blowing for streamers. I don't know a single person in the streaming community that's talked about this kind of stuff at all like ever but it's so incredibly important that i think everyone understands this is a reality of what your life looks like once you decide okay i want to take this seriously i want to make streaming a business i want to be a full-time content creator and i actually want to make a full-time income because you're right extracting value is a huge part of that it's massive and something that i've noticed too with the the streaming community is that there's a healthy amount of sub gifting in my channel that I feel like directly corresponds to the fact that I'm just sitting around answering questions and helping people all day. I just help people as much as I can. So for any streamer that's listening right now, if you feel like you want to potentially grow a, a healthier, maybe sub gifting community or if you want people to give you little certificates of appreciation think about how you can give more and not just receive more that was a huge like light bulb moment for me back in the day was i thought streaming was all about how cool i was how interesting i was how funny i was and it was all about me and if people if i was just a little bit cooler or more attractive then people would care but I've realized that it's exactly the opposite. It's all about making other people feel like they belong, like you said, and, and helping them and helping them achieve whatever they want with the time that they're spending in your stream, whether that's they want to laugh, they want to be educated, uh, they want to build a relationship with you and they want to be your best friend. Yeah, I have a um, someone emailed me a few weeks ago. And they said, Tim, just want to say thank you for everything you've done. I, I've created three videos on my channel. And my third video has 143 views. And I already made an I already made $99 off. Oh she said, like, she's like, I, I she has a, it was a like a paleo diet channel. And she's like, I have a, a diet plan I sell for $99. And she, I think she only had like 20 some subscribers. And 140 views, 43 views, and already made $99, right? Like that's the system, that's the process we're talking about. It's like deliver good value through your videos and then capture, have a way of capturing good value. I mean, she, if she keeps that up, she's going to be golden. Like on my channel, Video Creators, I was generating $10,000 a month when I had 3,000 subscribers, you know? So, so like it's and that not was because just of through the size the of audience. right? It was a few, a few, a few different things that eventually led to my breakdown. Like maybe it was where you're feeling. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, that was, but yes, so it was through, uh, actually it was through a crowdfunding campaign. The very beginning, I hadn't written the ebook yet. I wanted, I didn't want to, uh, a little tip about product development oh, guys, validating. like test, test the idea before you actually put a lot of energy into it. Like know if it's actually going to sell. Um, you're like, oh, so like the ebook would sell, but it needs to be about this title or that title, right? Like test it and then dive into it. So I wrote, I uh, did a crowdfunding campaign. I said, if I can make 
forget what it was, but if I make X amount of dollars, um, basically my audience pre buy pre I pre sell it and they pre buy it before I write it, then I'll go ahead and make it. But if I can't hit this number, then it's not worth my time to go ahead and make it. I'll do something else instead. Um, so that was part of it. I also landed a couple of big clients um, that were very supportive and really helpful. Um, and um, it was this ebook, and it was a few big clients. Is what it was, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. You had a good diversity. You had a lot of yeah. Things. I actually went up to like I had like ten income streams, um, which I don't advise anymore. I thought I was being good by. Um, cause I, I've, I've lost my job twice, you know, I was fired once from a gig and then the other one, the company just kind of like phased out that, that department. Um, and I'm like, okay, I never want to have all my eggs in one, my financial eggs in one basket again. And so I kind of went like, I had a lot of income streams and from my YouTube channel, like speaking affiliates, licensing, um, product consulting, like just, uh, like a lot of stuff. And um, I got to the point where I was like, not all of these are equally worth, <laughs> you know, anymore. Yeah. And so, um, like Patreon, that was one. I love Patreon. I love the community, but like the juice doesn't, just wasn't worth the squeeze, um, for, for the effort it was taken. So I stopped doing Patreon and, um, uh, yeah, so that was hard and I disappointed a lot of people and I feel bad cause that was like a big community for me, but, um, uh, now I, I would encourage people to instead focus like the people who are like billionaires and, and especially millionaires too. Like they didn't get that way because they have like thousands of income streams. They got that way because they nailed one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, so now I have, I still have a few. Um, if I look at my pie chart of like my business, it's, it's basically two big categories. And then there's like a bunch of slivers and like the last third um, that don't really take much time. They're actually kind of more passive than anything, but, um, but yeah, just focusing on like, uh, like come back to the value problems. So the one thing I want to do really well and how do I provide that value format people are willing to pay for and just focusing on like doing that one thing as opposed to like having products and consultations and clients and, I was doing channel management for some people too, which I hated doing. And I still hate doing, I don't do that anymore. You know, <laughs> and it just gets to be like, I'm doing too much. I can't handle it all. Yeah. But that book pumpkin plan will really be helpful with that. That's what, that was the turning point for me. That's the same guy that wrote profit first, right? I think so. I haven't read that one, but yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Cause I think he, he talks about it in that, that book too, but oh, okay. um, I need to go. I need to go. I don't read books. I yeah. I time to read but um but you check that one out too yeah it's very good so let's go ahead and like jump into our q a because i know you know you're a busy dude i don't want to take your entire day even though we could talk about this for days straight probably <laughs> yeah you're hitting on my buttons so like, I know. sorry i'm sorry i'm just going on and no, on and on i love it i love it it's i mean to me it's the sign of a good person that you're interviewing right it's the sign of a good guest is when someone or a very opinionated person (laughs) (laughs) you've got the experience to back it up though look at you yeah see there are lots of ignorance and you (laughs) people talk on and on and on i'm like everything today is wrong (laughs) (laughs) 
that's how i feel when people ask me youtube questions i'm like just go watch tim's channel please yeah, <laughs> don't well, listen you. to me <laughs> Uh, all right. Ooh, what's, up, what's up about your, your, your Yam fam? Yeah. Uh, Initiator asked, how comfortable oh, is that yam. hat? <laughs> I'm sorry? Initiator asked, how comfortable is that hat? Oh, pretty hat. It's pretty comfortable. I go through <laughs> hat every four or five years or so, depending on the quality of the hat. So. <laughs> That's great. Let me, I usually give like uh, one last question at the very end, just so everyone can get their questions ready too. What do you feel like would be your number one piece of advice for someone that's looking to get started on YouTube? It's so hard to pick one. Uh, I'm going to come back to like just nailing, just knowing intimately who your target audience is and the value providing to them. Mm-hmm. Um that's the only way you can do it consistently over and over again and get in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And that's such a unique idea in the the streaming community too. Like I said, a lot of people think it's, I just want to play whatever video games I want to play. I just want to show up and do whatever I want to do during my stream. And I mean, I, I do think that for streaming, that's really important because you have to do things that you genuinely enjoy because who wants to sit there and watch someone who's just miserable for hours on end? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, but like, let's say like you're streaming and you're going after a target audience of um, dads who are tired because they just worked all day. They came home and now their wife is at work and their kids are in bed and this person would normally watch television, but they come to Twitch instead. What do that? What does that target audience want from a stream that they're going to connect with better than um, a ninth grader who comes home from school? Their parents aren't home yet, and um, they got some time to kill because they already finished their homework. And maybe they feel like they don't connect with people all day. Um, they're they're around lots of people, but they feel completely and utterly alone. And Twitch is like, those are two different, completely different stories and audiences that are going to gravitate towards different types of content. Now, I'm not saying there won't be any overlap, but but if you know who that audience is, you're hopefully going to conduct your stream in a way and you're going to tell it's different it's unique for each of them you're going to be telling different stories uh, you're going to be talking about your creed and your beliefs in different ways um maybe even playing different games i don't know but it's like those are two different things the way you form a community for each of those two people is very different so so true dr boski asked what's the best advice you can give for setting up a video editing pipeline with your editors the best way okay so i'll tell you our process i have two editors on my team um it's basically the same process for each of them uh, and the reason i have two is they diff- had different skill sets one is really good at um like on my uh, video creators channel she's really good at like motion graphics and doing educational type content the other one is really good at like story and forming the, like a vlog together f- um, for our family so um, the process is the same is I plan out the content, I shoot it, and then I upload it to a shared Dropbox folder that my editor and I share. And then I, I in that folder, I create a, a folder of the ti- of the working title, current working title of the video. It very rarely gets published with the same title we started with, but, um, 
the working title. And then you, you know what Trello is by any chance? Oh, yes. We um, use Trello. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So then um, we have a Trello board and our system, our process is just right. Is that board, that process. So we I make a card in the folder um, uploaded to I can't share my screen here. I can see it. Um, it's called uploaded to Dropbox. And then in there, I'll put any notes on that card. Um, you know, like my script or links that she's going to need or ideas I have for how to edit it or anything like those in that card. Then when she starts editing it, she moves that card to editing and process. And then when it's ready for review, she moves it to the next column, which is ready for review. And, um, and then she uploads it to frame.io. If you guys are familiar with that, it's a, like a collaboration tool that we use. Um, I think I have an affiliate. It's called videocreators.com slash frame.io if anyone's interested. But then and there we can like, I can review it or my producer reviews it and she'll, her and I, depending on what's going on, we'll write notes like, hey, take this part out or this part doesn't make sense or we feel like this part's too long or this needs a different, gra-. like whatever. We can draw on the video like this part right here needs to be like, put something, whatever. Um, and so then we'll mark it as like approved or review, go back stage a few times. Then the next column is thumbnail in progress. And then it goes to final edits and then it gets uploaded to YouTube and then uploaded to Facebook. And then our last folder is the assets get put into a backup folder, which we back it up. So that's flowing through it pretty quickly. Um, but I have a whole playlist on my channel about how to work, how to find a good editor and team people for your team, um, paying them, uh, relationships with them, processes, all that kind of stuff. And if you look through my playlist on my channel, there's a whole playlist about the team aspect of the stuff. There's so much good information on your channel. If y'all haven't been to youtube.com slash video creators yet, please go and and just absorb every binge it. Get, get that viewing session started, baby. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Maya the B asked two questions should you have a backlog of videos so you're never in a rush for missing a deadline and how often should you upload videos per week when you are beginning a channel yeah good question so uh, i do agree i do recommend having a back it's important to keep buffer for your sake so you can take time off if you need it or if you get sick or you're tired or um whatever like we we're all humans we got stuff that happens and i think just having a buffer is smart um even in the vlogging niche where people are kind of like you know if you need to keep the um like like you need to vlog today edit tonight and publish tomorrow that's becoming less and less of a thing it's more about like can you tell a good story that i'm interested in that's what people care about and they don't really care if it was you know, three weeks ago, as long as the story is good. And you also don't need to tell them that it was three weeks ago. They don't need to know. <laughs> so, um, and then in terms of how often you should publish, is that, was that the second part? Yeah. Okay. So that's, I, it's really up to you. There's a lot of people saying publish every day. You got to do daily content. Um, that's, or, and there's other people saying, well, it needs to be at least 10 minutes long and the longer, the better. And that's not, true either um coming back to our principle we discussed in the very beginning is like optimize for humans not for robots and that has to do with your videos too so 
um, if you have a two minute idea, don't try to stretch it into 10 because someone told you a 10 minute video is better. If you have a 10 minute idea, don't try to cram it into two because someone told you two is better. It's like do justice to the content that you want to serve, to deliver, and then don't take a second longer. Right. So um, there's uh, some plenty of channels like five second films, for example. None of their videos are longer than nine seconds long and they have a half subscribers are doing great. Um, and uh, or, or Lucas the Spider, all their videos are like um, like 30 some seconds. They publish like one a month, two and a half million subscribers and, and everybody gets millions of views. A Dude Perfect, one of my favorite channels, publishes um, every other Monday, so twice a month. 30 million subscribers doing just fine, right? So the length of the video and the, and the frequency of the publishing isn't as important to me as, as um, how well is this value delivered, how predictable is it, and is it just at a consistent pace that I know like I can arrange my life around in some way. So um, I would say to answer the question more directly, uh, oh yeah, I got some Lucas the Spider fans in here. Yeah. So I would say like shoot for once a week uh, if you can pull that off and focus more on quality than quantity. Um, if you can do the same type of quality three times a week, go for it. You know, nothing wrong with that. But uh, especially if you're just starting, there's it's like really easy to get burned out if you just jump straight into the daily because you don't have any systems or processes in place yet to follow and everything just feels like kind of chaotic. So, yeah, I I tried to go daily and then I realized, all right, I'm going to try four or five videos a week. And even that was way too much. I burned out. It was exhausting. You just, I don't think you should do it until you figure out what your style is. And like you said, what the processes are and what the editing looks like and going daily can actually solve a problem of, of perfection. So if you feel like your videos have to be perfect before you post, forcing yourself to go daily, can make you realize that they don't have to be. <laughs> and you can kind of overcome that fear a little bit. But other than that, it's not super necessary. Yeah, I mean, I have a team of, like I said, two editors, and I did daily for a while, and I stopped. It was too much. Some people can do it. Um, I'm not worth. I don't think the the value of what it provides for people was worth the sacrifice it was causing me to have to make for my family and personally. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, if your only thing is YouTube, then it might fit. Even if your only thing is YouTube, it's like it's still <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So. All right, let's take a couple more questions. Kat Happley asked, with my life and my stream, I feel like I really only have time to do one take, no edited videos if I did YouTube. Do you think it's possible to grow a channel with bare bones aesthetics as long as the value is there? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I worked with one guy, uh, forgetting his name. He has a, like a keto, he's a, he's a doctor, a practicing physician, um, but all he does, like he doesn't edit his videos He'll just do it on his phone. You can even see his like finger coming away from the record button when it stops. One take, reaches up, hits stop, uploads it. And at the time I worked with him, he had like 300-something thousand subscribers. And um, his YouTube channel was starting to compete with his uh, his uh, medical practice in terms of like revenue and deals and stuff he was doing. So, um, yes, you can do it. Focus on the value. And that's the, the definitely the way to start. And then maybe if you want to go one step later, you'd be like, okay, now I have a little free time. I'll just use the iMovie app on my phone and edit. 
or something, you know, just take it one step. Yeah. I'll do sit down videos like that from time to time too. If I feel like I want the video to feel really authentic. So if there's something that serious that I want to discuss, like burnout or, um, uh, if I made a mistake or if I just want like a heart to heart with the community, I think those that's that format fits really well. The yep. jewelry box asked after finding out who your audience is, how do you know what kind of content to make for them? Uh, you get to choose. I mean, that's the great thing. So there's two ways to approach the audience target audience thing. The way a lot of people approach it is they just start making content and then they try to figure out who's there and satisfy those people. The problem with that is the audience is always going to be changing if you don't like establish who it is. Because uh, like you're going to get some people who want this and other people who want that and it just it gets too much. So I, my approach is you determine who the audience what the value is and you make content that delivers that value to that audience that becomes the people who want that value or you, you grow the community of people that you want. You choose who that's going to be based on the content you provide. So rather than like trying to cater whoever's there, you decide, you make it, and you do it consistently in every video. Yeah. You take control for sure. You uh, tell them who they are. And the people who don't want that, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Like, uh, you're, uh, I hope you get value for what you want somewhere else. Exactly. All right. This is going to be our last question. So no more questions, y'all. Victorian Genetics asked, is it harmful at all to keep super old content around? I feel like the answer is yes, but a lot of my own videos are before I worked on myself as an entertainment standpoint. So personality, editing, stuff is different. The old videos are quiet and not interactive, but they show the growth. Should you keep them around? Uh, also, the old ones didn't have thumbnails. Should I just make a basic one? Um, I, I don't think it matters much either way. Uh, if I were in that position, I would just leave it. Um, they're not hurting your channel in any way. They're not impacting, you know, discoverability. YouTube looks at every single video individually. They don't take previous content into account. Uh, the previous videos don't impact. Now, um, it might impact your viewers. Like if you publish a lot of really bad, lame content and they just got used to like not watching your videos, that could have an impact, but that's not, that's from an algorithm search and discovery system perspective. If it doesn't make a difference to keep them on there. If you have a few of those older videos that you feel like should be doing better than they are, go ahead, update the title, the description, give it a new thumbnail, things like that. But I don't know that it's worth, especially if you're not like super proud of them. I don't know that it's worth going back and doing the work that it would take to give each one of them a new thumbnail, a new title. That's a lot of work, but potentially the reward, I would probably just do it right from this point forward. Love that. Where can everyone go to find you, Tim? Um, you can find me at youtube.com slash video creators um, or at Tim Schmoyer on Twitter. would be great. I uh, love interacting with people there. And we do live stream every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on my channel. So maybe we'll have to have you over there sometime, Ashley. And um, have some fun talking about Twitch for my YouTube people. Oh, I'd love like, to. What's this Twitch thing I keep hearing about? That would be awesome. All right. As a reminder, you can go to twitter.com slash Tim Schmoyer and check out Tim. You can follow him and subscribe to the Video Creators channel. He's all over the internet. Highly recommend you check out his stuff. He is very, very, very knowledgeable if you can't already tell. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have completely changed my life with the, all the YouTube advice that you've given me and just being kind of a, a mentor for me. So thank you so much. 
And for all of you listening right now, if you are interested in checking out the new ebook that we just released, this ebook covers everything like networking, branding, uh, setting a schedule for yourself, being consistent, and figuring out and really building all of that that foundational stuff to help you become a better creator. This is uh, also going to include the journey of of myself and my stream from 0 to 75 or 100 plus average viewers. You can find all of that, though, at streamcoachbook.com. As a reminder as well, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Leave a comment if you can or tweet at me and let me know any feedback that y'all have or any people that you want to see us interview. I love you so much. I hope this is, that this was helpful and I'll see you in the next episode. Uh, bye!